All right, guys. I uh, drove my 2010 Honda Odyssey minivan over here to join you guys tonight. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Drew Stevenson. I'm one of the pastors at Salt City Church, part of the team that planted this church. And I imagined a lot of cool things when we decided to move my family up here to be a part of planting this church. But I can't say that this was one of them. And it is so exciting for me to be here each time I get to speak at Salt St. Paul and look out into this crowd and have the opportunity to speak God's word to you guys. So we're looking at Romans chapter 8 tonight, and we're going to start with verse 16. We're just going to read verses 16 and 17 to start. It says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, That we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now, I don't know about you, but I wish that verse ended halfway through verse 17. Children, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And I think what that exposes is the reality that all of us want a Christianity without the cross. We want to follow Jesus, but we don't want to suffer. We expect that Christianity will be all hype and no cost. And I'm here to tell you the painful message that that's not possible. And whether it's suffering that you choose in obedience to Christ, whether that's foreign missions or being part of a church plant team or loving somebody that's hard to love, or that's unchosen suffering like cancer or the death of a child or some kind of abuse that you've endured, all of those things are necessary in our path to glory. So here's what I want you to realize, is that all the suffering that you've experienced is not meaningless. It's not worthless. All the suffering that you're experiencing right now as you sit in your seat tonight is not meaningless. It's not worthless. And all the suffering that you will experience in your life going forward matters. So there's basically two ways of looking at the suffering that we experience in our lives. One is to experience suffering like you would experience walking through a cancer ward in a hospital. And you hear people moaning and you hear people groaning in that cancer ward, and you think to yourself, all hope is lost. The pain to you in that moment seems meaningless. It's like they're going to die. But think about the difference if you realized that you're not walking on a cancer ward, but you're walking on a maternity ward. And you understand that that suffering, that groaning, that pain is going somewhere, and that is to great joy. And so here's the message that I've got for you tonight. It's that suffering with Jesus is worth it. It's going somewhere. It matters. It's significant. It might feel meaningless at times, but it is significant. There's three reasons for this. The first one is that creation will be set free. 
Let's keep reading in Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 18, reading to verse 22. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So he says the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. But then he makes it clear that the suffering will at times in this life still feel heavy. And he gives an evidence of that, and he says, think about this, the creation itself is even longing for the revealing of the sons of God. It's like he personalizes creation, like trees and animals and mountains, and he says that even those inanimate objects or animals are, in a sense, groaning. They're waiting for something. They want something to happen. And that's because what happened when Adam and Eve took the fruit and they ate it, they died, and the entire creation was subject to a kind of death. So think about this. The most beautiful mountain that you've ever seen in your life is, in a sense, a cursed mountain. The most glorious tree that you've ever climbed and, and looked up close at one of its leaves is, in a sense, a cursed tree. You've never seen a mountain or a tree or an ocean as God actually designed it, but you're seeing a distorted and a broken creation a creation that's crying out. And what's creation longing to see? Creation wants to see you glorified, meaning in all your glory, as one of God's kids. The purpose of all of this stuff, whether it's space or the mountains or the trees or whatever it is, the purpose of all of it is to reveal, it's the stage on which this drama that's being worked out in all of creation is going to be displayed, and that's that Jesus is coming back for his church. But for right now, the creation is just messed up. We have natural disasters. That's part of the groaning. We have grass that withers and dies. We have fruit that's rotten. There's many things about creation that we can point to that are messed up. So here's what God's doing. Here's the reason that creation itself is broken. is because God is basically saying, as a result of our sin, the whole house needs to come down. I'm starting over. So I've never had a meth lab in my basement, but I remember reading this article about some dude who had a meth lab in his basement. It's kind of good to know that your pastor doesn't have a meth lab in his basement, right? Like, I'm just going to be 
Like, we're going to be honest with each other tonight. So anyway, uh, I remember reading this article about this guy. He had a meth lab in his basement. And, and, like, the meth lab so completely destroyed his house because he was running the meth lab for so long that they had to condemn his house and tear it down to ground. And this was, like, in an upscale suburban neighborhood. So they just had to rip his house down, tear it down to the ground, and start over. God is saying, like, creation is like the ultimate meth lab. And God's just like, listen, I see what you guys see. Like, this place is messed up. And so God's like, here's my plan. I'm going to tear it down, and I'm going to build something even more beautiful and glorious in its place. So here's what creation is like, though. Creation, again, is not groaning because it's looking at us and saying, hey, all hope is lost. Creation is like the grand maternity ward. And what's happening is in this place, this sort of God-forsaken place, not completely God-forsaken, but in a sense, God-forsaken place, God is at work in your life. And the reason that creation's groaning is it's like, get on with it, God. Just make them who you made them to be. Make us who you made us to be. Let us sing. Let us shake the dust and the rust off and let this place be what it will be. Here's the good news of the Bible. That's going to happen. We and the creation around us is going to obtain the glorious freedom of the children of God. You will one day stand on this earth made new with your new body. You will look at yourself in the mirror and you will say, yes, I love everything about that body. And you will look out at the creation and you will say, everything is exactly how it's supposed to be. That day is coming. Suffering with Jesus is worth it because that's what we were made for. The second reason the suffering with God is worth it is because one day we will be fully adopted. Listen to this. This is wild. And not only the creation, this is starting in verse 23, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Okay, so here's a question. In the previous few verses, it says we've received adoption as sons, and we cry out, Abba, Father, and God's our Father, and we have this relationship with him. So my question is, why are we groaning? Remember he said that in verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying that your adoption is partially complete. The Spirit of God is the first fruits of your adoption. In other words, it's like you see an apple tree and it's got a little bud on it. That's like the first fruits. 
But what you know, if you see little buds or you see a first apple on an apple tree, is there's a lot more apples coming. The Spirit is indicating to us who lives inside of us, the third person of the Trinity, God himself has come to dwell in us like a temple. And he tells us all the time, you're God's kid. You're God's kid. Even though you did that, you're God's kid. I still love you. But that is just the first fruit. It's not the reality of what God's going to do yet. Because God's plan is the redemption of our bodies. You know, there's two problems with our bodies. Sin and suffering. Don't you guys want to just wake up one day with a body that doesn't even desire to do wrong anymore? In Romans chapter 7, the, the chapter right before this, the Apostle Paul is talking about his experience as a Christian. And he says, I do what I don't want to do, and the very things I do I hate. And I want to stop doing them, but I can't stop doing them. And then he ends that chapter by saying, wretched man that I am, who will free me from this body of death? Like, I just want a body that doesn't want to do all the sinful things that I always want to do. And guys, it's a normal part of the Christian experience to wake up each day and want to run away from Jesus and do your own thing. And here's the bad news for you. That's not going away while you're in the body. You are going to want to sin because your new creation in Christ doesn't do away with your sin nature. There's a battle going on inside of you. So we want redemption from our bodies because we want redemption from our sin. We also want redemption from our bodies because our bodies are breaking down. Our bodies are breaking down. You guys don't experience that a lot. Some of you have. Most of you haven't yet. But your joints are going to start hurting, and you might have a heart attack. You might get cancer. But all of us know that we are going to die in the body. This body that we have right now was not made to last forever. And so God is promising us something. He's saying, when your adoption is complete, you will have a brand new body. Guys, I got new understanding of this when I went through the adoption process. So my oldest two kids are 12 and 10 now, uh, Emma and Luke. They're adopted from the Democratic Republic of Congo. And we adopted them when they were four and two. And I went over there to adopt them and uh, spent 40 days in the Congo. And one of the things that I had to do while I was there picking them up was manage all of the medical stuff that they had going on. My daughter, Emma, had tuberculosis and malaria and parasites. And my son, Luke, had parasites. And I thought when we adopted him, like, he's just kind of a little two-year-old. We got them back home. My son, Luke, grew nine inches his first year home. You know why? We gave that kid a ton of milk. Like, whatever you want to eat buddy, you can eat it. And, and he just like scarfed it down. They were living in an orphanage where the workers there thought that Fanta had oranges in it. So they were getting like a can of Fanta and a slice of bread every day. That was it. And so part of their adoption process was the redemption of their body. 
right? Like, we didn't just want to bring them home. And it's like, yeah, we're going to kind of feed you the same thing that you were getting over there. Like, the plan all along is we want to get you guys healthy. We want to provide for you everything that we have so that you can be as healthy as you possibly can. And our, our God is saying to us, that's what I have planned for you. I want your body to be whole. So, so here's, I got claim on this. You know, like, you might have seen, like, pictures of Aaron Donald, like, around the Super Bowl, you know, with his shirt off or whatever. Like, that's what I want my glorified body to look like. Like, you know, it's like some of you got claim on, like, Dwight Howard or whatever. But I would, you know, I would, you know, as you're having, like, jealous thoughts about other people's bodies, just turn them into godly thoughts by thinking maybe that's what my glorified body will look like. Like, Jesus, please give me that one right? And then you won't even have any sin, so you won't be having that conversation with yourself in heaven. So it's going to be all good. But guys, Jesus is planning on redeeming our body. So it is worth it for us to go through pain in our body and fighting against our sinful desires, because one day Jesus is going to make everything new in terms of our bodies. The last thing I see in this text is that in this painful world, the Spirit of God helps us. Okay, check this out. This is amazing. Verses 26 and 27. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Anybody have trouble with prayer? Like you've been trying to figure that one out, and and maybe you're one of those people who wakes up in the morning, and and you're trying to be faithful, like you're reading your Bible, and you're trying to, to bow in prayer, and you're falling asleep half the time, or your mind's going to your test, or your mind's going to the relationship problems that you're having, and you keep trying to get back on the horse, but to be honest, you're coming here tonight, and you're like, I don't even think that prayer, this thing the Bible calls prayer, is possible. How do I take steps in prayer? I got good news for you. Improving in prayer is not about willpower. It's not about self-effort. It's not about you. It's about faith in the Spirit of God. Check this out. The Spirit of God is in you. And here's what the Spirit of God is doing. He's essentially filtering your prayers. Like, you're praying stuff that's, like, kind of stupid and has nothing to do with the will of God. I do it, too. You're just like, please, I didn't study for this test, Jesus. But I remember the story about the loaves and the fishes and how you, like, you know, multiplied those. Like, take my, like, no studying and turn it into studying so that I can get an A. And, and like the Spirit of God, he takes that and he filters it for you. Okay, check this out. That's what this text is saying. The Spirit of God is filtering everything that we say and bringing it to God so that what God hears is that our prayers are being prayed as if God himself were praying them to God. So all your prayers are filtered. Isn't that amazing? Like, guys, sometimes I'll have to write a really hard email for church, and, um, and I'll, like, draft the email, 
And the first thing that I've learned to do the hard way is I send it to our elders first. Why do I send it to our elders first? So they can filter it. Like there was one decision in particular that I would have just absolutely butchered the execution of. Had I not sent it to our elders first, they filter the email, then they send it back to me, then I write a few other things. Then they filter it for me again, I write a few other things. And then by the end of it, it looks like I wrote a good email. Guys, I wrote a bad email. They would have, like, blown up our church. It came out as a good email because they filtered it. That's what the Holy Spirit does for you. Because he intercedes for you. Did you see that? According to the will of God. So I want you to walk away with faith. Because the Holy Spirit is inside of you right now. And and you might not even be able to verbalize the deep pain that you're going through, specifically because you're a child of God living in a dark and broken world. And and people ask you how you're doing, and you're just like, good, good, because that's like the level that you're aware of right now. But even as I'm talking about this, like you're starting to sense like there's painful things in my life that I don't know how to deal with. And the Spirit has your back. And even as you've been sitting here, as you've been worshiping, as you have not even been praying and been knowing it, the Holy Spirit has been interceding for you. And he's got you covered. So here's what he's doing. Not trying to put a guilt trip on you like, hey, you better make a list and have your prayer list and make sure you go through it and make sure you check all your boxes and make sure you're praying this much. And if you're not praying this much, you're not a good Christian. But he's like, I got your back. Listen. I'm praying for you every moment of the day. I got a 24-7 prayer room set up in your heart. And I'm just asking you to join me every once in a while. It'd be fun. And the reason is because this life is so stinking hard as a Christian that you would not be able to take another step if he weren't doing that. We need help. We just need help. We need help from each other. We need help from the Spirit. But as we start to connect with God in our suffering, instead of running away from him, we start to realize that Jesus is all that we need. See, think about this. If Jesus is all that you need, you believe that, then suffering is not your enemy, but suffering is the pathway to your greatest joy because it will drive you straight to him. Okay, this is one of my life verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. It says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You guys know why that's one of my favorite verses? It's because uh, almost five years ago when we moved here, my wife Melissa was pregnant with our sixth child, Jude. And uh, after five months, Jude was born with a congenital heart defect. It's one of two congenital heart defects that's not uh, tracked in the womb. So he was born, and I saw him healthy for about 10 seconds. 
And then they rushed him from one hospital to the next. Within the first 24 hours of, of his life, he'd already had open heart surgery. We spent five months and three days with Jude in the hospital. And then he died. So here, here's what I'm saying. I moved up here to plant a church to tell people about Jesus. And I started to think, is this worth it? And I was reading my Bible one day, I read that verse, this light momentary affliction is preparing for me an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Here's what I found, guys. As my son was laying in front of me dead, here's what I'm telling you, Jesus was there. No matter what happens to you in your life, Jesus will be there, and here's what I'm looking forward to. One day, this is how I imagine, like, going to heaven. Like, Jesus is like, hey, Drew, how's it going? I'm like, oh, that was so hard. Like, li- that life thing was so hard. And Jesus is going to be like, I know. I'm, I'm just, I'm so glad to be here. And Jesus is going to come up. He's just going to give me, like, a super long hug. And then... And then after that, like, I'm going to be, like, so exhausted because I'm going to be like, I, I mean, I just, I just met Jesus. Like, I, I'm just, like, th- that was amazing, like, amazing exhausted, you know, like, like you just went to a basketball game and cheered, cheered your lungs out, you know. And then he's going to be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of forget that anything else or anyone else is in heaven. And then Jesus is going to be like, hey, Drew, I have someone I want to reintroduce you to. And be like, this is your son, Jude. Guys, that's going to happen. I believe that. All of our suffering and sadness is going to turn out to be part of our greatest joy. Here's what I'm asking from you. Will you hope that with me for the rest of your life? Just hope it's true. Just believe that it's true. Pray that it's true. Encourage each other that it's true. And let's just keep on going. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you um, that I can uh, be here tonight. Thank you for this privilege of, of talking to these students. There's some of them right now that are suffering deeply. Um, Holy Spirit, would you cry out in them, Abba, Father, if they don't have the words? Would you intercede in them with groanings that are too deep for words. Would you, uh, Holy Spirit, be like that good friend who verbalizes for us the pain that we can't verbalize to God so that we can have some relief from it. Jesus, would you be real to us in our suffering, more real than our suffering, so that we can just keep on going. Help us to put one foot in front of the other for your glory and for our good. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.